You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. You know, there was a daughter who was telling this story about her mum. And she was saying how, you know, my mother had just finished taking a CPR class at college. When she or I were in the mall and we suddenly saw this big crowd gathered around a steel body. Well, my mum took off, running at a speed that I thought she could never get to, yelling, everyone back, I know CPR. Just as she threw herself next to the body and was about to begin, a pair of strong hands pulled her to her feet. Lady, said the police officer beside her, we are trying to arrest this man. If I was to ask you the question today, what makes a good woman? What do you think your answer may be? And no, you can't Google it. You might say things like kindness, trustworthiness, empathy, courage, determination. But we may also include things like the ability to say sorry when we know we've done something wrong. Or we know that we're on a journey and understanding there are ups and downs and there are good times and bad times and being able to navigate that with our loved ones and with our family. Or also just being able to know that, you know what, I want to grow, I want to improve, but sometimes I make mistakes along the way. Whatever it may be, there are so many good qualities, there's so many people represented here that God has just touched amazingly with so much special purpose and plans for your life. You know, there are many women in the Bible who had amazing qualities and strength. And at times they didn't even recognize those strengths in them, but God did. Those qualities stood out in times of difficulty. You know, Deborah, she stood up and took the men to war for, for Israel what, and saw victory. What amazing strength and courage and boldness. Can you imagine Mary being told that she was going to be the mother of Jesus and having to hide that in her heart? At such a young age, what amazing faith to listen to those words from the angel and follow what she was told. What amazing, amazing faith and such a huge responsibility. And Esther going before the king for her people, even though that might have mean she would have lost her life. Once again, amazing determination and courage. This morning, I want to look at a woman in the Bible who allowed her faith in Jesus to grow and not diminish despite some trying circumstances. And I want us to journey with her through her experience. So if you turn in your Bibles, if you look on the screen, I want to look at the Canaanite woman who we find in Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And it says this, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and worshipped and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, 
Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. You know, this was a woman who had a need. Her daughter was severely unwell and it was causing her great distress and pain. We don't know, we haven't been told how long this had been gone on for in her life, but it wasn't a great situation. When it's for ourselves or for our loved ones, there is, and there's something distressing going on, it can create such a need in our hearts and our lives. And seeing her daughter in pain created a need in this woman to find help for her. As the situation continued with no change or improvement, the distress of not really having the answers or the solutions weighed heavily on her. She was a woman with a need for her family. I'm sure we have all experienced needs in this place for ourselves or for loved ones. Maybe it's a need for a miracle or healing. Maybe it's a need for a job or a family or a relationship or breakthrough. And in some cases, to see the lies and the tactics of the enemy nullified in the lives of, of ourselves or our loved ones or our family. We know that we have the victory. Don't you know that this morning? We know we have the victory, but sometimes we need to enforce that victory on behalf of our families or ourselves. And these things can sometimes take time to see the outworking of. But she had a need. What could she do from here? What were her options? What was her next step? What have you done when you've had a need, either for yourself or a loved one? What options have you looked at or exhausted? Were there steps that you took that brought a situate solution to the need? Did you get to that point when you realised that your own strategies really had limitations and weren't getting you anywhere? And self-dependency wasn't enough and now you, your need becomes greater than what you can do. This creates an opportunity for us to seek God and turn to Him for His truth and His strategies. When we are faced with a need, it can produce different reactions or responses in us. For example, anxiety or fear or such a determination to keep pushing through or, or resolve, or it might just be that you just don't know what to do. We may experience all these responses at differing times. But how long can we live in this space of not knowing what to do before it starts to impact maybe our sleep or our relationships with other people? As the, as the situation and the big need becomes so great, Lord God, what can we do to see this, to see this nullified and this need met in our lives? This woman also experienced differing emotions. But what did this need produce in her? This need in her produced faith. Now, it does not tell us about her history with knowing and understanding who Jesus was, but somehow she did. Somehow she believed who he was and she knew that he could help her. She had the faith to believe he could help her with her need. She had faith and she believed. But now what could she do? What were her options? You know, I've heard about Jesus, but where I live, he is nowhere near. 
Can I go and see him in Galilee? Can I get to him? I know that I'm a woman. Can I go and see Jesus? And if I can, what would his response be if I tried to approach him? You know, what does need produce in you and I? Faith, determination, uncertainty or resolve? Have you had similar experiences or questions? How do I approach Jesus? How do I come to him with my need? I know he heals and saves, but can I come to him and approach him? What step can I take? We may, may not know at times what to say, but our need draws us to him. What did you do to see a solution or positive outcome to your need? She also knew she was a Canaanite woman and what that meant for her coming to Jesus. She was faced with obstacles. There was the obstacle of culture. There, this was a time where Jews generally did not associate with non-Jews. In fact, they said that the Jews hated the Canaanites and vice versa. It was because of this history that had been going on for years in the Old Testament, these, these wars that had been going on between the, the two nations. And now she finds herself in this situation and she understands that there is a cultural obstacle. And then the obstacle of being a woman. That, that was, there were so many taboos at that time of being a woman. A non-Jewish woman approaching a Jewish man was really not the thing to do. It was considered taboo. So what could she do? She had this need. She had this faith. She knew who Jesus was, but what could she do? For us today, it may be the thought, I don't want to trouble the pastor. How can I go to him with my need? Doesn't he know what I'm like, what I've done? Or from some of us, it might be, might be I've got to see, appear like I've got it all together. How can I come and talk to the pastor? Or maybe you've had a bad experience and not sure how to move on from that. She may have been thinking, how would Jesus respond? But her need and her faith was greater than the obstacles she had to overcome. Her faith gave her the courage to rise above the barriers and to pursue Jesus. Jesus finds himself in the region around the Gentile cities of Tyre and Sidon. And he's just walking with his disciples in a public place. Jesus is now in this woman's area. For us today, we don't have to wait for Jesus to be in our suburb. Amen. We can go to him at any time. We have free access. But what do we do with the free access that you and I have to approach Jesus? And this is where the Canaanite woman encounters Jesus. This is where her faith leads her to declare who he is. Her faith had the opportunity to declare truth. She cries out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on, on me. My daughter is sick and in desperate need of a miracle. But there was silence. Jesus didn't give her any reply. He did not say a word. You know, when you're in need and someone seemingly ignores you, you might be left thinking, oh, that didn't go well. Maybe they didn't hear me. Maybe I should just go home. With Jesus not saying a word, that might have been enough for her just to walk away. But she couldn't afford to walk away. 
she was desperate and her faith and her declaration of who he was kept her there. You know, what do you and I do when there is silence? We go to God with a need and there seems to be silence. When God does not respond, it may seem at odds with what we know and understand about him. So what do we do? We might react out of our emotions to get upset or angry. We might think it's our fault that there is silence. We might find ourselves feeling frustrated, anxious or not sure what to do next. We can be left feeling confused and fearful. Have you found yourself in a place where you've prayed to God and have felt like there was silence? I know I have. How did you react or respond? We may have experienced this in everyday situations. Maybe you've had a child that you've said something to and they don't like what you have said and there's been silence. Maybe there was silence from a job that you went for and you haven't heard back. Maybe you've got a partner or maybe it's you who doesn't know how to have a healthy discussion. So there's silence. What do we do? What do we need to understand during this time? What perspective, what right perspective do you and I need to have during these times? As we grow in our understanding and relationship with God, it will enable us not to feel rejected. You are not rejected during these times. Let me say that again. You are not rejected during these times. As we wait on the Lord, what does it say? As we wait on the Lord, we, we know that this brings strength and perspective on what He is doing. His Word is never, ever silent. His Word is full of truth and hope. You need to only open the Bible and know that His Word is never silent. Can we still trust God when He doesn't answer? Can we still trust God? Yes, we can. That is an emphatic yes, we can. We can wait and hope in Him. You know, David experienced this in his own life, in the trying and difficult situations he found himself in. He would cry out to God for, for help, for instructions and direction. When he didn't follow God's instructions, when his child died, when his son rejected him, when Saul was trying to kill him, the Psalms are peppered with examples of David talking to God about this. In Psalm 83, 1, it says, Oh God, do not remain silent. Do not be silent. And oh God, do not be still. Can you hear his heart in this situation? God, please do not be quiet. Please do not be still. I need your answer. I need your perspective. I need your direction. In Psalm 109 verse 1, My God whom I praise, I praise you mighty God. I give you glory and honour, but please do not be silent. I need to hear from you. Here is a truth that you can hold on to during this time. Even in the silence, God is with you. 
The silence of God does not mean the absence of God in your heart, in your life, on your journey, in your distress, in your need, in your trying circumstances, in your sickness, in your depression, in your anxiety. He is still with you this morning. He will never leave you or forsake you. In Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, it says, And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. And this is what Moses said to Joshua before crossing over into the promised land. And God's words still ring true for us today. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is always there with us. The NLT says it like this, He will never fail you nor abandon you. He is with you all the way. The second part of Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the Amplified says it like this, For He, God Himself has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. He is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is with you this morning. He knows what you're going through and He is with you. And His truth will propel you forward to navigate the needs and the situations in your life. And He will never relax His hold on you. He loves you too much this morning. He loves you too much and He will never relax His hold. He is with you every step of the way. And we can know this with assurance that God is exceedingly worthy of trust, even when we're not feeling sure or if we're feeling confused. Our faith is strengthened when we know that we know that we know that God is true to His Word. He will never, ever leave us. This is an anchor to our souls. What does an anchor do? It stops the boat from drifting away from the safe harbour. How does that apply to us today? As we read these scriptures of truth, that truth will become so real to us. We can be sure that God is our safe harbour and He will never leave us. Jesus' presence was still with her. Even though He hadn't said a word to her straight away, He was still with her. His presence was with her. He hadn't left. And he's still with, He was still with her and He's still with you. You know, back in 2013, uh, the start of the year, I had a bit of a, a bit of a hard year that year. And at the start of it, I'd been believing for something from God and it didn't work out how I was expecting. So at the start of that year, I remember, unfortunately, being quite angry with God and I had lots of questions. And then the fight really began for me. Suddenly, I just felt there was this oppression from the enemy trying to take me out. And I just thought, God, I don't know what to do, but I do know that I need you right now. I need your answer. I need your strategy. I need your solution to break through this oppression of the enemy. And even though at times there was silence from God, at the end of it, when I knew that that oppression had been fully broken off my life, God said to me so clearly, I was with you every step of the way. My presence was with you like a cloud by day and a fire by night. And I tell you, that gave me such, re, re, that gave me such 
uh, such assurance in my heart that no matter the times that we go through, whether there is silence, whether there is not, his truth remains the same, that he is with us and he is with you. Even in the silence, he is still good. In the silence, he is still worthy of all our praise and honour. He is not cruel or harsh. He is your God and he is good. And Psalm 23, 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me and you all the days of our life. Think about all the days of your life. He is with you when you're driving. He is with you when you're eating. He is with you when you're family and friends. He is with you when you're doing the dishes. Thank you, men. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What was her response? She goes to Jesus, she tells him her need and there is silence. But that doesn't stop her or keep her quiet. She pushes through the silence. Her need produced faith that pushed through the barrier of silence. And in verse 23, it says this, the disciples came and complained. Now she's bothering us. Would you please take care of her, Jesus? She's driving us crazy. Maybe they didn't want her to stay in there any longer. Maybe they needed to get, go, get somewhere and they just found that this was a distraction at this time. They were also Jewish men, so they understood the culture of the day. And Jesus says this in verse 24, He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What was her response to this statement? She worshipped Jesus. She got down on her knees and worshipped Jesus. You may not be saying much, but I can worship you. In the seeming silence, I can still praise and worship you. How can we worship? What can we say? I worship you because you are a good God and you are greater than the need that I'm going through. You are a good God and I honour and worship you. Don't give up halfway just because the conditions don't seem quite right. God is with you. Let that one thing you've heard about God and his goodness keep you persisting and pursuing and pushing to see your need met. John, Jesus then says this in verse 26, that he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. For all you out there who may have, may have a dog and you've been eating at the dinner table and the dog's next to you and the next minute you feel his paw on your, his paw on your knee, like, come on, give me something. And then suddenly you throw him a bit of a crumb and the look on his face when you give him that piece of food, that, that crumb, He was trying to tell her that he was there for the people of Israel, but she was looking at him with such desperation. Like that dog, just, Lord God, I just need one crumb from you. And what was her response? She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. One crumb was all she needed. One crumb was all she needed to see her miracle come to pass and her need met. That this need could receive healing, could receive a miracle, could receive breakthrough with just one crumb, one word, one touch, one connection, one look is all we need from Jesus to see our miracle. I know who you are and I know one crumb can satisfy my need. Can I just have that one crumb? One seed is enough to take down a mountain. You know, that one seed grows and that grows into a crop, which is then grows into a harvest and that harvest can move mountains. 
Jesus can give us one direction, one statement, one truth, and that one crumb gets the miracle started. Jesus responds to, to, to her great faith and says, woman, you have great faith. If she knew all she needed was one crumb, how much more can you and I expect from our loving Heavenly Father? We have access to answers, solutions, truth, a table full of His goodness. So what does that mean? If we have a need, we can go to God and not just once. This is ongoing for us. His answers are with an S. His solutions are with an S. We can go to Him for anything knowing He has answers and supply and miracles for us. The mother saw the healing for her daughter. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Her pursuing that one small thing, that one crumb led to a miracle. Her need was met and her daughter was healed. Sometime in your life, you might find yourself in a place of incredible need. What can you do? When you have done all you can do, let God do what only He can do. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Your needs can be met by God. When there is silence, stay in the conversation and see what He's trying to teach you. He is with you and He is good. And don't give up. Pursue God because all it takes is one word from Him which can lead to your miracle. You know, there was this lady called Lisa and she was desperately trying to adopt a child. And she'd been in this process of adopting a baby girl and she'd been there during the pregnancy. She'd been to all the doctor's appointments and her agent with the adoption agency had said to her, you know, don't buy anything just yet because with this type of pregnancy, it was a high-risk pregnancy. It was a high-risk adoption and there was potential for the baby not to even survive the birth. So she knew she couldn't buy anything until there was a certainty of this child coming home. Five days before she was to bring the baby home, the adoption agency rang her and said, it's incredible. All the papers have been signed. And next week you are legally able to take that daughter home with you. So go ahead and buy that crib now. She got off the phone and burst into happy tears and rang her mum with the news. Can you believe it? Next week I'm bringing home my little baby girl. Later on, on that same day, the phone rang again and it was the adoption agency. And at first she thought maybe there was something she still had to send through. But soon as she heard her agent's voice, she knew something was terribly wrong. Her agent said to her, I don't know how to tell you this and I can't go into details for legal reasons, but it's just not going to happen. And I'm so, so sorry. She had lost her baby girl and was devastated. 30 minutes later, her mum rang and her mum started talking before she had the chance to say what had just happened. And her mum said to her, you know how I thought I had, that, had a bladder, infe- bladder infection? Well, the doctor just rang with the test results and it turns out I actually have stage four cancer and it has gone to four major organs of my body. Can you please pray for me? In her devastation, she said, okay, God, I pray for my mum right now. 
She got off the phone. 30 minutes later, she got another phone call. This time it was her dad. And she was about to start talking to him about what had happened when he said to her, baby girl, I hate to tell you this, but you know how I thought I'd beaten colon cancer? Well, it's now come back and it's in both of my lungs and the doctors have only given me two months to live. Can you please pray for me? She she remembers thinking, I don't even know how the end of that conversation, I can't even remember what I said. I can't even remember what I prayed. But as I hung up that phone, I sat down and I cried and I said, God, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And he said to her one word, stand. And when that one word was said, she knew God had her. God was going to take care of everything. And she could lean on his strength. She could lean on who he was and that he was with her every step on the way. Four weeks later, she got the call that another baby girl was able for her to adopt. And she took that child home. That one word produced two miracles in her life. That one word from God to stand produced the miracle of her being able to adopt another baby girl, Missy, and take her home. But the other miracle was her parents had divorced at the age of five, when she was five, and it had been a really bad divorce. Divorce. Her dad had been abusive. It had been a toxic relationship. But through this process, believe it or not, they were restored in their relationship, not romantically, but they were restored and they were able to get along. And when her dad passed away, her mum was with him the whole step of the way. Two miracles from one word. That's all it takes from God this morning. If you have a need, if you have a situation, if you are needing healing, if you are needing breakthrough, all it is is just one word from our Heavenly Father who will never leave you or forsake you that can produce a miracle in your life. Let's close our eyes and pray. Lord God, we just thank You that You are with us. We thank You that Your presence is here to bring miracles, to bring breakthrough, to bring strength. And we know that we can look to You and lean on You, mighty God, because You are with us every step of the way. I want to give people the opportunity this morning, if they don't know Jesus, to respond to Him. The one that we can trust and turn to. The one who will never leave you or forsake you. And in Romans 10, 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to pray this this morning. And if everyone can close their eyes, if you would like to be included in this prayer, can I ask you to be bold to put up your hand? I'll see it. This is not to embarrass you, but just to be included in the prayer. Is there anyone this morning? Church, if you can repeat after me, dear Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Saviour and believe that you are Lord. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. 
And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.